Hey church, I'm glad to be celebrating the resurrection with you this Sunday, and there's so many great things that are worthy of celebration when it comes to the resurrection, but I think the thing that's more poignant for me right now than anything else is just the promise of reunion and gathering back uh, together again as, as a body of believers. In fact, the resurrection of Jesus is so unique in this respect that it stands alone in being the most hopeful hope there is. And we're going to talk about why that is as we end this sermon series with the beginning that changed everything. And I'm sure, like me, you've probably thought about like what you're going to do when things get back to normal, whatever that means. The first place you're going to go, the first place you're going to gather, and what that's going to look like. I, I, there are a couple things that, actually three, that stand out to me most quickly when I think about what I'm planning on doing. The first is this. I know for a fact that my kids need grandparent time. Like I'm, I'm thinking a couple weeks worth. And so mom and dad, if you're watching or listening to this, now you know that they're coming. And so I'm looking forward to, to doing that. The second thing I think I'm going to do is I'm going to take my wife on a really nice date. And I think it's going to be like a sit down restaurant and I'm going to let her order whatever she wants off the menu at Taco Bell. And then the third thing is definitely Thursday night. Thursday nights for me in normal circumstances are Thursday night volleyball and I can't wait to get back out there and play and hang out with my teammates. Uh, I am gonna keep washing my hands though after, after matches. There will be so many opportunities, I think, that we're gonna take to reunite with one another because we've been reminded of how valuable it is that we take time to do so, especially if we've taken those analog relationships for granted in the past. There'll be a broad spectrum for sure. We'll go from celebrating postponed weddings or wedding celebrations to backyard barbecues, to birthday parties, to play dates, all the way to postponed funerals. But each of those gathered moments will point to something that has been true about God from the beginning and true about us as well. It's that God desires perfect relationship with us and for us. Jesus himself is called Emmanuel, meaning God with us, as a physical reminder of what God has intended all along for us. And Jesus' resurrection is the assurance that God's presence is going to be an ongoing reality. And this is not simply just an optimistic way of thinking about life. This is a transformative way of living. Henry Nouwen writes this, While optimism makes us live as if someday soon things will get better for us, hope frees us from the need to predict the future and allows us to live in the present with deep trust that God will never leave us alone. And so while we're wrestling with loneliness or boredom or anxiety or fear or anger, self-loathing, jealousy, you can fill in your own blank there. The way forward isn't simply a thought pattern. It's that there's something immovably true that anchors our souls in such a way that we are sustained beyond our physical and mental and emotional limits. And that's why Easter is such a celebratory moment for Christianity, regardless of what's going on around us. It's because hope isn't found in an ideology, it's found in the person of Jesus. And obedience to the gospel of the kingdom of God is a message of peace and hope and joy because Jesus defeats the only things that can frustrate hope, and that's sin and death. We've been reading 1 Corinthians 15 as Paul, whose life was regularly in danger for his hope that was anchored in Jesus, writes to believers in the city of Corinth about what all Christian faith hinges on. And here's the verses that, here are the verses that we've been repeating. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 3 and 4. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, 
that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And as Paul continues 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he, he continues throughout the chapter to explain why the death, burial, and resurrection are first importance to our faith. And, and if you never read it, I want to encourage you to do that because Paul provides a reasoned explanation for why the resurrection matters. Ultimately, here's what it means for us, and this is how he ends the chapter. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. To me, one of the worst feelings in the world is to feel useless. And I know no one wants to feel as though their time and efforts have been wasted. And while I can't necessarily relate to this right now, I know I've seen a lot of people talk about what they're going to do and what they should do with all this extra time that they have right now uh, while they're waiting for things to get back to normal, whatever that's going to mean. Uh, because we're not leaving the house to be entertained, maybe there's some more opportunity to spend more time on our phones or consume more digital media, uh, whatever it might be. And so that's one take path you can take. The other might be improving personal growth, less distractions to be able to develop healthy habits, eating better, exercising more. Uh, but regardless of which path you take with your time, and, and there is a better option between the two, what really matters is what will be true in the long run. I can spend my time doing amazing things, yet if there's something that can undercut all that effort, like sin and death, then those efforts are relatively useless. And on the very first Easter morning, that was the tension the disciples of Jesus were facing. Every teaching and miracle and life-altering thing they had experienced through Jesus came crashing to a halt at the cross, and they believe ended with the burial of Jesus. They had been told by the Marys, we talked about last week, that Jesus was alive again, and a couple of them ran to find an empty tomb, but later that evening, their response was to gather together in hiding because they feared that they were going to suffer the same fate as Jesus. Everything they'd given up, everything they'd experienced, now felt useless. They saw no viable path forward, and then something happened, and I believe that something is that Jesus showed up. And I know for many, great faith in that hope comes from having experienced Jesus showing up in their lives, experienced hope born out of a new life sustained by Jesus' living sacrifice. I also know for others, it's difficult to believe this because of pain and skepticism and how that's made faith difficult. But the disciples didn't dis suffer and die sharing the message of the resurrection for any quantifiable personal benefit beyond sharing the truth that they had seen with their eyes and they had touched with their hands. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, there is a hope available that sustains us in the present and it assures the future. The disciples responded to an event that made the rut of the unpredictability of life inconsequential because resurrection means that with God, anything is possible. The parts of your life that you've allowed to die inside or atrophy that would take a miracle to breathe new life into, to experience freedom, uh, maybe the uselessness that you feel in your current situation, all of that is changed to its best possible outcome with the resurrection of Jesus. 
John, who was part of the inner circle of Jesus' inner circle, uh, recalls that the first Easter evening went like this. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 21, he writes, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And we know from the Gospel of Luke that when Jesus shows up, the disciples were terrified, and, and rightfully so. They're in a locked room, and Jesus somehow comes and appears and stands among them. Now, I, it strikes me that this is actually probably a perfect entrance into a room if you can pull it off, and, and maybe Jesus kind of chuckled being able to do this. But he shows them the physical evidence of his death and his life by showing them his hands and his side. Later, a few, in, in eight days later, the disciples Thomas was invited to touch Jesus' wounds, and Jesus eats with them later on. Paul later, or earlier in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, uh, says that Jesus appears to Cephas, another name for Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to Paul also as to one abnormally born. And so decades later, Paul is letting his readers know that there are people who are alive who could be interviewed, who could be talked to, who could be questioned, that had experienced the resurrected Jesus for themselves. And that credibility has spread from the early church all the way through to the church today. And back in that locked room in the first Easter, Jesus communicates two very important things to his disciples that change everything from that point forward. The first thing that he says to them is, peace be with you. At the beginning of this greeting that Jesus uses, it would have been the Hebrew word shalom. And while it's translated peace, the force of the world may mean something different than what we're used to when we think of the word peace. And so when Jesus uses this greeting, he's not just saying to the disciples, hey, don't be freaked out because the word shalom actually has the force of the understanding of completeness. And so if you were to compare and contrast the, the type of peace, for example, that the Roman Empire was sharing with the world at that time, the Pax Romana, that peace meant that, hey, we're stronger and bigger and better than any of you, and so because we can destroy you, you probably should not fight a war against us. And so that was the type of peace that they understood. But shalom means parties that are united together harmoniously for mutual benefit. For example, uh, kind of like how my kids get when they are cooped up too much and they're going at it with each other, I don't want them to just not say anything anymore. I want them to actually treat themselves, each other, the way that they would want to be treated. I don't want them to just not talk. I don't want just peace and quiet. I want shalom for them. And Jesus doesn't want the disciples to just not be afraid. He wants them to experience the fullness of joy that his appearance means for them. And when reality sets in, they're overjoyed to see Jesus. It meant everything they'd stood for and given their life for was no longer useless. And that it had meaning not just for then and that day, but from that point forever. The resurrection of Jesus makes us whole. 
And some of the most rewarding accomplishments that we experience in life are when we're able to fix something that's been broken. I know that I have wowed my family with my prowess with just a little bit of duct tape to repair things around our house. And Jesus does this on the level of existence. He makes existence whole and complete. And this is why the lives of the disciples were so irreversibly changed. The hope that Jesus gave is the most hopeful because it both heals and transforms us at the core of what it means to be human. And the second thing that Jesus tells them is, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. There may be some ways in which we can relate to the disciples hiding out in fear and anxiety, worry in this locked room. And if you've been a disciple of Jesus for any length of time, you've probably experienced moments like this. And you, like me, can provide testimony to how Jesus has shown up and brought peace to you in that moment. However, if that peace simply remains with us, that peace is not shalom. Because hope isn't hope until it's shared. And so Jesus, who was sent into our mess, sends his disciples out into the mess they had locked themselves away from. Theologian N.T. Wright says this, Left to ourselves, we lapse into a kind of collusion with entropy, acquiescing in the general belief that things may be getting worse, but that there's nothing much we can do about them. And we are wrong. Our task in the present is to live as resurrection people in between Easter and the final day with our Christian life, corporate and individual, in both worship and mission as a sign of the first and a foretaste of the second. The longer we live our lives, the more precious it is to be around people who stand firm, who are not shaken by the ups and downs of this world, and who work toward the wholeness of life for those around them. There's nothing that instills hope more than hopeful people. And as Jesus sends his disciples into the world to share what they'd experienced, the resurrection of Jesus becomes the hope that's embodied by the disciples of Jesus. Jesus' resurrection paved the way for a new life that all of us can hold on to. And this is about getting rid of the sin in our lives that drags us down and separates us from God and each other. Jesus' death made that possible because he took the punishment for your sin and for mine on his own shoulders. And then he invites us to join him in new life, in resurrection. The resurrection is so important in ways that that remove the biggest problems of our lives, in the way that being set free from the slavery of death is a big deal, and being relieved by the guilt of sin is a big deal. Whether it's addiction or immorality, cheating, lying, abuse, dishonesty, all sinful things that make this life miserable, and the effects effects of those sin, disease, death, suffering, these things are not just obscure things that are happening to someone else. These, these are the things that keep us up late at night and ruins lives. And, and Jesus takes all of that and gives us a release from that and a hope for a new life. The resurrection of Jesus was central to the early church and is still of first importance to our faith today because it's where God's love and his intention for us meet together. Without Jesus, our lives are in vain. But the day that I gave my life over to Jesus and trusted in his resurrection and accepted his grace, that was the day I was resurrected to walk in a newness of life. Being a disciple of Jesus is about living a life of transformation. And that's why Jesus taught us not to worry in this life. Yes, we should plan wisely, but God is in control. 
And that's why he taught us to forgive in this life, because by doing so, we're adopting the heart of God to our heart. And that's why he taught generosity over selfishness in this life, because putting others first is what Jesus did, and us doing the same helps us to become more and more like him. Resurrection is like the celebrations we're going to have when we're all back together, because we know that we get to be with each other once again. With the knowledge that we're, while we're separated physically for a little while, not even sin and death can separate us from God or even each other. And while in some ways this Easter might feel like that first Easter as we're scattered about in different places, not knowing what the next, the next day will bring, it also comes with a fulfilled promise of complete hope for us all. And if that's not a hope that you're familiar with, I mean, we'd love to talk with you about that. And, and if you've never been baptized and participated in that symbolic washing away of sin and conquering the consequences of death, uh, we can share with you exactly what it looks like uh, to say yes to Jesus and start on a d- new and different hope-filled journey of faith. You can send us a direct message or you can connect with us at velocitychurch.info connect. But what we're going to do right now as we continue to celebrate Easter together is we're going to take communion together. And those of you that are familiar with Velocity know that we do this every week. But as we do this right now, I I just want to read you the words that Jesus uses as he establishes this common meal, this table that all are invited to, and how he invites us into share in this time together. And this is from Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus says this. While they were eating, Jesus took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray. God, today as we celebrate Easter together, we're celebrating hope. God, we praise you for the strength and the foundation that that gives us to uh, tackle life uh, no matter what is happening around us. God, help us to, to see the peace and the joy that the hope of your resurrection brings to our lives and, and how, uh, how it not only is it important for us to share with others, but how, how needed it is by those who are around us. God, we praise you for what you have done. Uh, God, we thank you for uh, what you have built our our faith on through your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray.